I don't think there's anything to be Order, please come to order. Oh, he's always. We will address the egregious theft of energy from our planet's magnetic field. But first, we must vote on which of three hats our people will wear that we might acquiesce to Starfleet's need of homogenous representation. First, from Alpha Moon, the very sensible pillbox hat. Paliazel offers the very daring dueling swans for drama and accommodating longer hair lengths. And from Beta Moon, the backward-thrusted cornucopia. Please bear in mind that these will be the only hats we're allowed to wear for the next 100 years. Voting pads are now open. Welcome to Reengage, where we rewatch TNG, a show we loved when we were younger, and now reengage episode by episode to see if it holds up to older eyes. This week we reengage with a season four, episode twenty-three, the host. Let's say hello to our reengage bridge crew, Miss Kate. How you do? Oh my gosh, I'm so good. I love I love doing hubbub. Uh, you know, <laughs> it makes me happy. Hubbub, hubbub, hubbub. Eric, how you doing? Well, hubbub with such accomplished performers is really a joy, all told. <laughs> you got to listen and you got to participate. It's great. Greg, what's your hubbub feelings? Watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> Two minutes. All right. This episode takes place on start date 44821.3, which is the week of May 13th, 1991. Greg, sadden us with the goings on in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one's a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, large leader um, uh, focused. Not so sad this time around. Um, May 15th, Edith Cresson became the first female prime minister of France. She was uh, from the Socialist Party um, and was one of the uh, shortest tenure of premieres of the Fifth Republic. I don't know much about her, but uh, she, you know, very quickly came out of favor, um, was accused of being racist, uh, and eventually her entire career ended in scandal in 2006 uh, from, mm. uh, of course, accounting errors and maybe some greasing of palms. Ooh, hubbub, hubbub, hubbub. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, also, uh, Queen Elizabeth II was visiting the United States during this time. Uh, she was uh, being feted by George H.W. Bush. So she, in addition to going to Washington, D.C., she went to Arlington, uh, Baltimore, Tampa, Miami, Austin, San Antonio, Dallas, and Houston. Spent a lot of time in Texas during her trip. Uh, and she even went to a Baltimore Orioles game when she was here Oof. and was the first sitting British monarch to give a speech to the U.S. Congress in the chambers. And she had a very funny joke because uh, she was wearing a Dayglo orange dress and said, I hope you can see me from where you are. <laughs> a huge stood up and clapped at that <laughs> joke for about three minutes. That's how different... <laughs> Congress was back then. Uh, they thought that was very funny. And then she went on a cruise ship with two former U.S. presidents as like a party. And there's a video of her uh, trying to get some decaf coffee 
for Ronald Reagan and Nancy Reagan, uh, asking like calling down the servants. Can we get some decaf for Ronald? Uh, it's very odd to see. Uh, but uh, she then left on May 26th and returned uh, to England. And that's all I have for today. <laughs> she was just like us. I didn't know how to finish that bit. All right, Kate. Any new songs this week? Any new movies? Oh, yes. Our number one song is Joyride by Roxette. She said, hello, you fool. I love you. Come on, join the joyride. Fucking classic Roxette. Mm. Uh, yes, Roxette. Uh, the number one movie was FX2. Which Whoa. does not hold up. Uh, I watched, <laughs> Eli and I watched recently both FX and FX2. And and not only does the technology not <laughs> sort of hold up, <laughs> but the, is the storytelling the is rough. Yes, that is the one with the clown. Oh, yeah. no. But, the sto- but it's not even like worth it for the sort of niche sort of like oh look how kitschy it was because the storytelling is also like oh the misogyny (laughs) (laughs) yeah woof nick nolte right yeah uh Mm. no is it nick nolte liam neeson no 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 no. none of these no it's 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 brian Brian oh yes brian brown brian brown and dennehy dennehy yeah uh, god damn riding off of his um cocktail and then the final news is in tech uh apple released macintosh system 7.0 for their operating Ooh. system 7.0 and now it's all like l- lemur and <laughs> links manatee yeah <laughs> i still don't know how to use Macs. all right our director was marvin v rush and uh it was written by michael hovart uh and from the nemesis files we have uh the aforementioned director marvin rush was actually um the director of photography since season three and this was yet another in a series of firsts uh, first-time directors getting a shot uh, pulled from either the cast, as is Frakes, uh, and a couple other um, people around the set. And he was like, hey, what are you doing? You want to direct a show? Sure, here you go. <laughs> uh, he has said that uh, his the, the biggest part of his job was trying to uh, help Frakes uh, and Frank Lutz uh, establish continuity for Adon um, and hiding Gates McFadden's seven-month baby bump. During this episode, oh, well done. I, I had no this. idea until I read the files afterwards. Um, in this episode, we also meet yet another Bol- uh, Bolarian barber, the the hairless blue skin guys, which is ironic. A hairless people, <laughs> uh, entirely devoted to being uh, barbers and hairdressers. Uh, the large shuttle we see uh, used by Riker and Odon uh, to go to the planet is called the Hawking, which of course is named after uh, famed skateboarder Tony Hawk. Uh, And I'll only briefly mention this in case uh, Eric wants to unpack it more, but there is an uncredited role in this episode by one Robert Harper. He's Lethal uh, Bine. He's one of the reps of Pilar Zell's Beta Moon. Um, And uh, I know him best from Frank's Place. Uh, He was the the law 
the lawyer who often wore the rumpled um, seersucker suit. Uh, in that one season episode um, of Frank's Place, he was also um, fuck yeah, Frank's Place. Uh, Starkey in Once Upon a Time in America. Um, Ooh, so wow. a great character actor, and um, for whatever reason, they felt like they didn't need to mention him. But uh, how about the other uh, supporting <laughs> actors in this, Eric? Yeah, I missed him completely. Thank you for bringing him up. I, I I think I recognize who you're talking about by his other other credits, and I completely missed him. Uh, I, I do always want to do a shout out to uh, Patty Yasutake, who uh, was uh, Nurse Alyssa Ogawa in many, many episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation and isn't talked about very often. She even most recently uh, is seen in the series Beef, mm-hmm. uh, if you're watching that very popular series on right now. Uh, always happy to see her. We have really a few people to talk about today. I want to uh, do a special mention about Barbara Tarbuck. As uh, Lika Trayon or Tryon, I can't remember uh, now that I am not looking right at it. But uh, right after this, uh, she went on uh, to play Lady Jane Jacks on several years of General Hospital. So this was kind of a leapfrog for her. Uh, she was born in Detroit, Michigan, so I always want to mention that. She went to both Cooley High, immortalized in the fantastic uh, Schultz movie Cooley High, uh, you know, oddly enough. Uh, and Wayne State <laughs> University, which is also where mm-hmm. I went. So I like to mention anybody who went there. You'll recognize her from such movies as Short Circuit and Curly Sue, if you are my age, uh, which I know the three of you pretty much are, except Jimmy. Uh, and uh, she continued working all through wonderful things uh, like New Heart, Police Squad, Dynasty, Hunter, Moonlighting, 21 Jump, Jump Street, etc. Really a fantastic career. Uh, that is uh, ongoing. And, of course, we have uh, William Newman as Kalen uh, Troes in this. Uh, if you look at him with all, without all of the uh, lovely, lovely gunk on his face, and uh, uh, if you don't recognize his voice, you will certainly recognize his face. Uh, he grew up in Seattle and went to the University of Washington, uh, where he studied theater, of course, and became... a um, a member of Seattle Repertory Theater in 1965 uh, and did a ton of uh, movie and films. He uh, passed away in 2015, but you'll know him from things like The Mosquito Coast, uh, Postman Always Rings Twice, uh, Funny Farm, which I have a stupid fucking uh, soft spot for, even though it's fucking terrible. Um, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, of course, is probably his most famous. Uh, but also, you know, Don't Sleep on Monkey Shines and Leprechaun. This is the good shit. Uh, so we, we celebrate the late William Newman and his work in this episode. And that brings us to Frank Lutz, or Frank Luz, or Frank Lutz. <laughs> Uh, known uh, throughout theater circles as the original Orin and parts uh, in the dozens in the original off-Broadway cast of um, Little Shop of Horrors uh, with the great Jennifer Lee Warren and others. He can be heard on that um, soundtrack that came out when we were in high school and Jimmy was in grad school. Um, he's also known without all that stuff on his face from uh, great shit like uh, The Nest if you go back to that Ghost Town uh, great horror movies from from the 80s just prior to this and a a small supporting role in When Harry Met Sally Uh, tons and tons of theater including um, 
Fiorello in the 70s, uh, uh, which was a, a very well-known show at that point. Uh, and then he was a lead in The Doctors, the daytime soap opera on NBC for a long time. Uh, continued to work all through the 80s, tons of kind of short-lived stuff, but you'll remember him probably as the professor who uh, was rumored to have had an affair with Blair Warner on The Facts of Life, if you remember that storyline, oh. which I do. Um, uh, yes. So, uh, yes, uh, just tons and tons of wonderful stuff that he did as well, and we'll talk a lot about his performance in this, I am sure. Uh, a great crop of guest and co-stars all in all. Well, there was Jeez, one bit of information that was incorrect in that. Ooh, um, I was probably in college at the same time as you guys because of my tenure, <laughs> uh, and that's T E N space Y E A R E A R, not T E N U R E. Um, so our Fair times enough. probably completely uh, passed. In fact, you were probably in grad done with grad school before I started because of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get it. Well, I celebrate <laughs> let's you, Let's crack it open. We open with a crusher log, a Wesley Ooh. update, and some mouth Ooh. kissing. This is like the Straight third the episode kissing. in a row, or at least three and five, where we get some heavy, heavy, very thirsty Enterprise shipmates. Uh, Kate, what do you think about Wesley's trouble with ancient philosophy? <laughs> I'm worried about him, but I know he's going to be okay. <laughs> he's struck. He needs Picard's help. Picard is the ancient, uh, you know, archaeologist in the family. I think These it's STEM kids, man. I think it's good for him, right, to not be excellent at everything all the time. It's all. the way we. It's the way we learn. It's the way we become better people. It's good. Uh, and I mean, it's great that in this opening um, log, we immediately get there that Beverly's well into a relationship and there's somebody new. Ooh. So we don't have to waste any time with uh, flirtations or opening. It's right to uh, morning after scenes. <laughs> and just imagining her pregnant doing these is terrible. I mean, <laughs> I, she even said she's like, man, I wish my romantic... Uh, you know, big romantic role here wasn't when I was seven months pregnant. Uh, how much of a, I mean, they would have to do a lot of, of just even body positioning different for, for that. Oh, yeah. And that's why it's shot so much in close up. And I, you know, we get that probably that big kiss as the centerpiece here, probably because of, of her pregnancy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so we got a, a series of small little scenes here before the break. Um, we have some kissing in the turbo lift, and then uh, Data does some cock blocking. Um, oh, excuse me. I think it's dock blocking. Dock block. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Even better. It totally ruins a joke I have built in dock later, but that's... <laughs> Data does you some, got time to some get dock there, blocking. Um, we get the fake headache, um, and then a booty call disguised as a hypo spray. Uh, and then uh, Beverly strong arms data down the corridor. Like and we, she is so horny. Yes, yes. She's like, maybe we need just crunch numbers. How long will that take? <laughs> I need exact times here, data. How long? Her garden do I have? is in bloom. <laughs> uh, Every second counts. And then it cuts to Odon in his room. Um, 
and we get this creepy belly scene. <laughs> yeah, not okay. Quado, Quado oh, shows Quado. up. I mean, Eric, what did you <laughs> what think the fuck, about dude? The, uh, right? the, the belly hair makeup here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so bad. I well, then I, you said it was a fake headache. I I think it was an actual real headache. I think the the parasite had a little little headache, and so he was. That's what he was administering was mm. uh, oh, either that or yes. it was uh, space Viagra. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> ultraviolet viagra <laughs> oh i really wish they would do um they would have done the little caterpillar uh, the little slimy caterpillar trill as a uh stop motion now uh but uh we missed out we on missed that out and what do you think was happening when it did the little ripple belly i mean it was to show us there's something in him so we were like oh <gasps> right before uh the credits roll for the opening but I mean, was he was the trill like hey i like this doctor she's kind of cool or <laughs> just coming out to say hello i thought just trying to get comfy exercising <laughs> trying to get comfy <laughs> bracing restless for tail syndrome <laughs> like a dog yeah. so like yawning and stretching out before it lays back down yeah all right <laughs> uh so i mean what do we think about this intro though like do you recall when you were younger watching this like <gasps> There's something moving in the belly because for me, at, up until that point, things moving like that was only meant terrible things could come because this is alien right. stuff. Right. Sure. That's immediately where I go. So it's not their the romance is not heading down a nice path now. <laughs> uh, yeah. You think something nefarious is happening. He's definitely keeping something. Yes. from her. It was it was a nice stinger of like this guy. And then even, you know, it, Troy yes. brings that up to it being like, what do you know about this good point it does make it seem like oh he's up to something we can't Mm -hmm. trust this guy all right so we come back from the credits uh and we have a nice morning after scene um in this line that uh you're not ice you're fire and then another big (laughs) tongue in the mouth like the jaw opening and you can see the tongue just darting into gates mcfadden's mouth (laughs) it's it's a lot it's a lot (laughs) it's it's, as soon as I watched it, I was like, is this sex trek the next penetration? What's going on with Star Trek these days? Come on, guys. It's mouth open, <laughs> lips together, mouth closed. Yes. That's, it's, it's how you fake the makeout. Come on. Uh, I don't think they were faking it. And here's my ruined joke. The scene finishes up with Bakar taking a turn at cock blocking. I mean, dock blocking. <laughs> Greg, is it okay to use the term dock blocking? It is. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't work. Goes past the sensors, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was going to work, anyways. Sensors. Uh, uh, sensors. All right, so not a whole lot there. We just really see, you know, the 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 relationships blossoming. They're really in love. They're like young teenagers setting it up for a nice breakup later. Uh, Trill gets girl. <laughs> Trill loses girl. Trill breaks out of stomach and gets girl back. It could be a musical. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the next scene uh, is our first meeting uh, of the show. And although Beverly has nothing uh, to feel wrong about or be ashamed of, it looks like she's doing the walk of shame. Uh, and it doesn't help that she enters from a different door <laughs> than O'Don, even though they were just in the corridor together. And she immediately starts lying to Troy uh, about what she's been up to. And this is all in the first three seconds of that scene. And she's wearing the same thing she wore yesterday. Mm. <laughs> same blue doctor's outfit. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Have you seen her closet though? It's 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 just all it's like Einstein. <laughs> you don't have to Blue waste energy on thinking about what to wear. Uh, and we get a great. Well, I, I think I don't think she's lying though. She's 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 stretching the truth. She's saying I was just taking care of a patient, uh, going with the story yes. she was telling Data about yes. the headache. This is great because it sets up day Data's brilliant line. I hope Doctor Crusher was able to help you with your headache. And Troy. <laughs> directed across the room to be like ah, ah, ah. <laughs> she knew. keep it on the dl Deanna. <laughs> uh and then we get uh, a little exposition here on uh what's happening on these uh with the planet and the two beta moons uh and it's sort of like the the people from Pilar zell zell i'm not sure how to say the name um uh, they're sort of like the mom and then mm-hmm. Alpha and Beta are like the two kids, and they're just squabbling back and forth, um, and they need somebody to come in, like the aunt. The Enterprise is like the aunt or favorite uncle that comes in and like calms the kids down. Might I suggest that we start with giving their planets or names. moons actual <laughs> names <laughs> instead of forever having one as Alpha one as and the other as Beta. <laughs> Uh, perhaps that might right. go some small way towards <laughs> reconciling that there aren't favorites. Right. <laughs> Agreed. When I work with really small children and I have to have them in two lines to play a game, I always name one line, line number one, and the other line, line A, uh, just so that they feel better about themselves. Because <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Otherwise, that's it's good. just it's just tears. <laughs> 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 your Romulans, your Klingons. Yeah. <laughs> right, Warm up a line. What do you guys think about the setup here? I thought there was a nice bit of uh, Treknobabble with um, the beta or the alpha moon is stealing energy from Palel Zar's magnetic field. And now they've become dependent on that. And somehow that's having a negative effect on the respiratory systems of the beta moon inhabitants. So it's this neat kind of sci-fi um, health crisis that's going on uh, so that one planet can keep their energy going. I like being able to get energy from magnets. That's pretty cool. Yes. Uh, I don't know. How does it work? We don't know. Um, but yeah, like, <laughs> the fact that the magnetic pole is screwing with the other moon, uh, I thought was a nice little bit of uh, sci-fi-ness, right? And then there's that image that's on, I think, Picard's data pad or something like that that showed like a field and then like something protruding from the planet and i was like ah that all made made it made sense to me for some <laughs> yes. reason just having having a diagram with something extracting something from someone is like oh i get it now <laughs> uh all right so the tr- the the scene ends um with troy saying she feels some fluctuations from odon which is sus as the kids say uh and troy also <laughs> says we know so little about the trail. So let's play Star Trek Universe Timeline. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Star Trek Universe Timeline. All right. Wow. TNG takes place from 2364 to 2370. Deep Space Nine takes place from 2369 to 2375. And just to put that into perspective, audience, with our TV show, Deep Space Nine Season 1 is set concurrently with the events of TNG's sixth season, beginning with the episode Ship in the Bottle, Descent, Part 1. That's where they line up and coexist. 
Jadzia Dax from Deep Space Nine was part of the original cast. And so the Trill in Deep Space Nine are retconned to make, uh, so they're totally different than as introduced in this episode, much like the Ferengi were totally changed. Like, hey, this was a good idea that we whiffed on in TNG. This is our chance to sort of make it up because Jadzia both used the transporter all the time. She does not have ridges yeah. on her forehead. The Trill now have the dots that go down. And there's a totally different relationship between the symbiotes and the Trill uh, hosts. Um, that isn't what we'll get into that relationship as it is presented in this episode a bit later. But what did you guys think? Did that um, Were you Deep Space Nine people? Did, did this immediately hit you like, oh, this is very different? Or was it not really important? Yeah, I, I love it. It's I had forgotten so much about this episode, and I'm a huge Deep Space Nine fan, and, and Jadzia in particular, uh, or Dax in particular, um, and, and Jazzy, Jadzia within that. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's awesome to see how different it is. It, it reminds you of Klingons in the original series, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so much. Uh, so it's, it's really fun to then go i mean i think they're even featured in discovery uh quite a bit and and the short treks even uh talks Trill. a bunch about uh yeah thank you uh, uh talks a, a ton about it as well so like it's it's neat to see how the trill have expanded throughout kind of all all facets of of uh trekdom uh from this introduction i love it yeah, I think of it like a comic book retcon, right? Where it kind of is like, well, they had this idea and then they wanted to expand on it and the ex- expansion needed to change some details uh, to make it happen. And there wasn't, yeah, I think this might be the only bit about Trill. They, uh, subsequent TNG episodes don't really go into there at all. So this is the only bit uh, that they really had to contradict. And I think even the actress who played uh, Jadzia Dax says like, oh, we look different because we're from the North. <laughs> like the the hosts that are, are in that my parasites are in are from the north and they're from the south like you know kind of refuting your thing jimmy that they all have to look the same right there's right. multiple cultures the southern there. parasites but are I, assholes <laughs> <laughs> they prefer the ones with the ridges on their faces oh, no. oh he did it again he pushed the button uh and and clicked out he'll come back uh i just don't like how they like you could be an ambassador for the Federation and have all of the powers and responsibilities of that. But the Federation doesn't know this information about your race. That seems strange that it would be a secret in this particular situation, right? Like that they have this much, uh, you know, even when we were talking about with, uh, being an ambassador, like they have a bit of power, but that we don't know anything about them. That, that was the part that seems strange. Mm. Yeah, well, it see, I, that didn't hit me as strange because they were. Uh, it seemed that this isn't a Federation ambassador, Odon. He was requested by the Pilar Zales because they believed his father was the one who did the last negotiation. So it had nothing to do with um, him working for the Federation, but more so the flagship of the Enterprise once again being uh, a taxi for somebody else. <laughs> yeah, like the ambassador who uh, was deaf, for example. Right, yeah, I get that. Right. Okay. Right. All right. Yeah, all right. Uh, so then in the next scene, we join um, Beverly and Troy 
in the salon getting their nails did. Spa day for the ladies. Woo, and this was fun. I mean, what did you guys think? Because this is totally, uh, one, hiding, now that we know, absolutely hiding uh, Beverly's uh, or Gates's um, baby bum. But it, it's a chance for the two of them to have a little bit of fun acting. It's not serious, and uh, it's it, it, the back and forth between of them I thought was cool. What did uh, what did you guys take away from that? Gates is adorable. I mean, like bumbling and just like she plays the that really well, and the sort of teasing nature of Troy. It just feels very. Um, I like these moments where we can see them in their downtime be friends yes right like and when it is clearly downtime and it doesn't you're not like oh you're on duty Riker stop hugging uh so much uh right this is like actual downtime so it's it's better (laughs) yeah they're not doing the awkward yoga stretching they did that uh, right when Troy had a similar situation where she was getting some nookie and was like "Mm, let's talk about it this seemed a lot more natural Um, but uh, it's, in- it's an interesting choice that, that uh, Dr. Crusher is like guilty here as well when she gets kind of found out by Troy. Like she was, you know, not necessarily loud and proud about her relationship. She's a little bit like, oh, does everyone know? I shouldn't be here. Like she's a little, you know, nervous. Yeah, she's hiding out, it seems, a little bit because th- we get from the backstory that she doesn't ever go there. She's not the type of person who goes to the salon she doesn't really know what's happening with her fingers in the green thing is awkward and she and her thing's like <laughs> i guess yeah i don't know they just brought it to me but i i thought there was a really interesting turn of events here because at the first like you were saying kate like it, it's fun and playful and you know troy's like you're in love and she's like but do you really know anything about him right <laughs> it's like on the huh. dime she's like this guy could be dangerous huh. Right, for sure. Which, I mean, I'm not going to lie, is the kind of thing a a true friend does. (laughs) Like, I see you, I know your secret, but also real talk. It's been 10 days, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the relationship of Keely and Rebecca in uh, the most recent season of Ted Lasso. Mm. Yes, yes. All right, so the next scene has Adon uh, <laughs> paying a visit to Picard uh, and letting him know just how much he appreciates par- uh, Picard's crew, uh, some more than others. Uh, and it, to me, it seems like Picard is like, I've been known that. And I knew that before <laughs> you did. Uh, I mean, what did you guys think about this little exchange between them? And was it a bit forward for him to ask some of the questions, Odon, to Picard about Beverly? Oh, for sure. Inappropriate, awkward. Presumptuous. Uh, and <laughs> little aggressive. Yeah. Did and she I'm, quit Starfleet? He basically asked. Right. How committed right? is she to Starfleet, do you think? <laughs> and Picard is very uncomfortable, which is adorable, uh, but also uh, well-founded, right? Because it is, it is a little awkward to be like, and also kind of a dick move to go to the boss and be like hey how how committed is she to this you know versus going to the source uh feels a little awkward right right and i mean and this is not to 
This is pretty close in the heels of Beverly walking in on Picard's morning after, right? With right. Uh, with what's her name? The <laughs> the thief. And Bosch. Yeah, Bosch. And now, you know, just a few weeks later, uh, Beverly's like, I could do that too. Shoot. <laughs> and in my head candy, it's <laughs> right after Odon leaves, uh, Picard makes a little radio. It's like, hey, any uh, beta moon terrorists out there? If you happen to attack the ship that comes, nothing will happen. <laughs> I thought you were gonna go in on the hockey a different way, where he wanted to listen to some sad music and like put on the Cure or something like that. <laughs> oh, I miss my chance. Yeah, got some dark Picard. Boys going. don't cry. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> he is put out. I think the I think the hardest part for him is that Odon maybe thinks Picard is like a father figure to Crusher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that he's going to answer these questions in that way. And Picard's like, oh, no, no, no. Hold on. That screws my entire worldview up. What are you doing to me, man? (laughs) Uh, We then uh, cut to the shuttle bay where Seal is singing a kiss from a rose on the grave. Uh, (laughs) Beverly and O'Don have gone from entering from separate doors to PWK, public wrist kissing. In a very short time. Is it moving too fast? And is the pace believable? We got 40 minutes here, Jimmy. We got 42 minutes tops. Yep. You know, uh, we've already used up a bunch for it. So, like, I mean, they got to progress. Well, and I don't even mean, like, it's believable from the beginning that they're in love and that the two people have chemistry. But they go from entering from separate rooms, like, we don't want anyone to know, to it's, they're pretty out in the open about them it's being true. together in the in the shuttle bay there i mean do the there there may be a moment though where they realized like in the salon right like that our what we're doing is pointless everybody this knows. trying to hide everybody already right. knows right. so why the fuck you know yeah i, I mean, mean he, he just told her boss yeah right <laughs> oh yeah that was a deleted scene it's like listen the cat's out of the bag i don't know if that's a saying on your planet but on my planet we say the cat's out of the bag when people know stuff that they didn't think they knew so everybody knows that we're smashing we're facebook fish. yeah so now we can uh <laughs> we can uh publicly risk kiss <laughs> Uh, all right. So after the wrist kissing, they get on um, the the uh, Tony Hawk and take mm-hmm. flight, and <laughs> things don't go so well. Um, and we, you know, I glossed over the fact that uh, earlier Odon makes you know points like I do not transport. It's not what I do. I yeah. I'll go the old fashioned way. So uh, now he's up on the the ship, and they get attacked. They can't get away. It blows up only on the left side or the right side of the ship so that it's only O'Don who gets injured. Riker's totally fine. And to me, Riker seemed a little nonplussed. He was like, just looks down. He's on the ground. He's like, "Uh, all right, we got to get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I mean, he's not our ambassador, so there's not there's there's less paperwork that you have to do. (laughs) It's still not great, but it's not a whole thing. And it could be like him and kind of just put him in the bus station, lost and found. (laughs) Right, right. It's like him and Picard had a conversation. (laughs) Like, oh, he's doing what? (laughs) All right, no, I know, Mm -mm. I know you. That's what you get. That's karma. 
Um, but then, like, now we know that uh, Odon doesn't have, like, uh, a Dr. McCoy type of fear of the transporter where it's just philosophical, where he's just like, I don't do that. I'll just go by shuttle. I don't need to be broken down and put back together. He's actually afraid that it will kill him. Like, and he said, I will die if you transport me. So they can't be transported. The um, tractor beam is engaged and, and brings them in. Um, to see what they can, uh, you know, so that, uh, and that's when he lets everybody knows, um, have Dr. Crusher standing by. Dun, dun, dun. She was on the bridge. She heard all this happen. I don't think she's that emotionally connected to what's happening either. She's, they're all very business-like in this, in this scene of like, okay, I'm, I'll go down and, and it's training. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's training. Yeah. They're leaning on their, their Starfleet training here. She's a pro. Yeah. Um, so back in sick bay, uh, Beverly is trying to save Odon, um, or rather, uh, just the symbiont. Uh, so reactions on this scene, what do you, they, they go out of their way to let him know that, um, the body that we see is just a host and they literally use the phrase just the host. Did yeah, you guys mm-hmm. have takeaway from that? Did that mean anything to you? Did it weigh heavy, any kind of reaction to that? I mean, it's different from Deep Space Nine. You know, they, they talk about when, when Jadzia uh, makes that transition to, I don't remember the, the name of the next uh, host, um, that it will change the, 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 the trill and, and that Jadzia was both the same and different than uh, the commander's friend, uh, a previous host had been as well. Uh, mm-hmm. enough of the same that they you know maintain the memories all the way through even even to the point of kind of you know being uh, charmed when the commander continues to refer to them as old man you know it's it's an interesting thing uh, it's just so different like you say this this was the first thing that really made me realize how different this original version of the trill is to later it's almost like that um, season one episode where the evil space bugs crawl in and took over uh, and then had the breathing tube in the back, right? Like they basically just said like, well, what if we took that idea, but they're not evil, uh, right? Mm. Like he's a, you know, and like, oh, one of them falls in love with him. And I thought that was an interesting kind of way of being like, here's a, a, uh, a host parasite situation. And I love the line that he gives when he's on the table. Like, that is me. I am not this body i am that parasite and that was uh with the visual of it popping out very you know you got it immediately like oh that's yeah what do we do now yeah Yeah, and that was uh and i i don't know if this is my opinion of what happened in that scene uh in a vacuum was impacted by what i know of the trill in later iterations but it seemed to me a little um it it to it seemed to disregard the body on the table as if it meant nothing yeah. um and was nothing and it that had an implication for like the person we see later um and in Riker being taken over it was like they're they're owning flesh almost it's like are these people like devoid of any personality before and, and right. like it, it just counterpoint ratatouille <laughs> <laughs> or racket <Rocket> raccoon <laughs> yes. 
everywhere all at once. I was going to yeah, say, no. I think you're right, Jim, because it's it's that difference between a parasitic relationship and a symbiotic relationship. Yes. Which I, it feels like as we as they advanced in figuring out the trill, we had a much more symbiotic, like right. what is won and what is lost, you know, in that relationship where this is, you're right. Cause he, he's like the only thing that matters. And there, you could argue that because they're in the middle of negotiations, that this, that he's the more important person to, to save. Right. Uh, which is very Machiavelli, yeah. uh, you know, or not Machiavelli, but you know, yeah. evil. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think um you know it, it's interesting uh to have the idea that it's a complete husk versus what happens later um and I don't remember where I was going to go with this uh, I started laughing at Kate's thing <laughs> I to get back to it and I didn't uh Kate you're hilarious yeah sorry everybody I think the writers actually fell into the the new idea of how they would go in the process of producing and writing this episode because there is that we'll get to that scene later on when when Riker exhibits some of his Rikerness yes. while Odon is inside heaven and so yeah so I think they got there I I don't think it was fully fleshed out of an idea when they were writing this episode it's the last little right runway yeah, here yeah. the last season they were probably putting out these scripts really quick and they hadn't really thought through I I think they might have even thought of like oh these bodies were were clones or like just grown only for this purpose because they send a replacement, right? And they don't really kind of establish that they're sentient before they yeah. undergo. And this we'll talk about that thing. when and we so, get there. That person, the way they enter, yeah. And it's interesting because we have no idea of Odon before, right? So all we know mm. of Odon is now. Oh, this is the symbiote inside of him. But when the symbiote goes into Riker, it's very difficult for that person that Jonathan Frakes not to be Riker. And so it's easier for us to see that personality bubble up and like, Oh, there is a symbiote. There, there's a balance between two entities here um, that we just can't get in, in a character we've never met before. Uh, or yeah, at least it makes it hard. Yeah. Unless they purposely go that route. Uh, so Adon gives a little bit of backstory about the trill and what they do. Uh, and, you know, he takes the time to do that before he begs for his life. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you. Yeah. The Here's the exposition <laughs> first. Uh, what do you think about his performance here? The, the character, uh, the actor doing Odon as he's telling this and then begging for his life. I mean, it's a hard gig. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very, this episode really drilled into my head that it is ultimately a soap opera in space. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think he does a good job. I, I, I don't think there's a lot of nuance behind the words. I think he's just saying the words and meaning everything. Do you know, there's not, there's not a lot of subtext, but that's a legit style. And, uh, you know, I thought it was good. Yeah compelling yeah yeah I thought it was really interesting that we set up this relationship with Dr. Crusher and Odon and she's the one who has to save what you know like I gotta get this information absorb it I actually have a lot of respect for her because she's very yeah, as we said even just you know she's she, her training is working here yeah and it's only until later when she allows the emotions of what's happening to kind of really uh, be explored, but she's really just all about saving the 
being that the being told me wants to be saved right <laughs> as much as she can yes. right um and it's it's really it's really powerful because you're like man but you love this thing and what does that mean and then we, we explore it later but I, it, for this scene in particular i thought she just really carried uh herself really well yeah and in the very next scene um you know we learned that uh the host body dies off screen doesn't even get to die on screen it's just post uh we're in another meeting um the body died at 1700 hours um and it was the the symbiote has been put into stasis won't last that long uh in stasis and they need another um they need another way of getting this uh the symbiote into another body uh data volunteers of course uh but that won't work because uh he's a robot <laughs> uh and then uh, Riker jumps right on it boom i'll do it because yep. it beats the prospect yeah. of war. Boom. Uh, what do you guys think about this? Like, especially Beverly. Like, I think it plays off of what you're saying, Greg. Um, there isn't, there doesn't seem to be emotion. Like, she's Crusher has it the motion contained for the room. Like, she's not breaking down. The actor's not trying to show that I really do care and it's affecting me. She kind of lets you know, matter-of-factly, that uh, the host body died. And these are the steps that she's taken. It was a very expensive guest star. Only <laughs> la lasted an act and a half. It's true. <laughs> it's well, true. There, there's something, you know, I mean, ab about medical professionals especially in crisis situations that that seems to be on display here or at least you know our our perception of what that looks like um that you know she's an officer first and does her duty mm. um but i imagine there's a lot of um scenes that we didn't get to do with lots of you know taking breaks in the closet to scream into you know medical supplies Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and this is where the soap opera thing really does come in, Eric, because you're right. This does feel like a, yeah. um, a Grey's Anatomy or type of ER thing where, like, the stories around those things, of course, they are medical professionals first, but it always means so much more when they have a personal connection to what their work is at that specific moment. And it always seems those shows are just trying to set those up. And this one sh does this whole bit is actually pretty boring if you just think about the actual act of what's happening but it's so exciting because of the you know work they put in to to make this emotionally uh uh us to fill in all the subtext there yeah and then okay so then we cut right back to sick bay uh Riker is on the operating table and i don't know if anybody else noticed this but his belly button is like in the middle of his chest because there's an incredible <laughs> distance between the bottom of his belly button uh and god knows where his waistline actually starts <laughs> I didn't he's got a very that. long torso <laughs> it's huge uh and then <laughs> crusher asks for the laser scalpel uh, so my yes. first question about yes. the scene is when do you think it stopped being called laser scalpel and just went to scalpel <laughs> it seems like a new age thing, you know, like it's brand new. You call it laser scalpel, but after a while, there's just going to be a scalpel. It's cleaner. <laughs> Isn't the thing with lasers is that it like it goes through everything? <laughs> no, we talked stop. about this before. <laughs> right. <but> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's programmed to stop exactly a half a millimeter under yeah. the first uh, layer of skin. 
I think Odan is so cool looking as a creature. Yes. Like that prop, like kudos to the props designer uh, who got to work on that. Um, it's such a cool looking day glow paint color. Yeah. Mm, it's right. very nineties. Uh, and Greg, if this scene is not in Star Trek acid party, I am going to bite my pillow. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't think it is actually. I don't know. We haven't had a few episodes. Maybe I need to rewatch that, uh, while getting stoned again so that I can uh, start <laughs> inserting all the references once more. So, yeah, I mean, and this thing is big. I mean, what did you think? I love the way it looked, but it's also gigantic. Massive. I mean, you're carrying around. That's like three pounds <laughs> in your belly. Um, well, and, and Gates we, McFadden was like, welcome to the party, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> carrying a human person. Right. <laughs> and we know that it moves around. It's not like just sitting there. It likes to jostle inside of you. So, I mean, talk about a queasy stomach. Um, so from here on out, we have Riker down for a while, right? And uh, throughout mm-hmm. the scenes, I want to talk about, like, what? how do you think the continuity between the way um, Frank played Odon and, the, and what happens with Riker as now uh, I'll refer to him as uh, Riker Don. <laughs> Riker Don. He says Dr. Beverly. He goes right into yeah. it, uh, the, the pet name. Yeah, it's all in the language. I, I don't think they they cared much about the uh, the similarity in performance. I mean, they they cast people who act similarly anyway. Mm-hmm. Like the body has the same accent, the same way of moving, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. The the everything else is behavior, and like some of the behavior is the same, but that's mostly in in vernacular and language, which is taken care of by the writers. I felt like the actors were comfortable with pretty much just letting that be the whole yeah. thing. Um, and having us just go, oh, okay, the body's used to talking that way and walking that way. <laughs> mm. no, that's <laughs> you know. a good point. Uh, so yeah, because he—I don't think Frank's really does. Yeah, he doesn't put on any affectation, really. It's—it's—it's. Uh, it's, it's he does a couple of things. He me. does a couple of he's, physical things differently. He does, a, and he's gentler, right? Like his yeah, his mm-hmm. mannerisms change, his his demeanor, the 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 vocal qualities. Yeah. Like I, and I think. Because there's not sort of uh, the twinkle in his eye is for her and not for look who I really am. Mm. If that makes right. sense. Yeah. Mm. There's some parts, uh, some scenes where he sits in a way that Riker never would. Like he lounges almost in a feminine way with sprawled out like he's in repose with his legs almost up on the Picard's couch in his his office. Mm-hmm. Um he does things that are a little different. Like he doesn't put his foot up on anything the way Riker does. Um, so there are some physical slight differences, which I think Frakes did on purpose. Yeah. Like this is a different version. Uh, That's kind of what I mean by yeah, behavior. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. So yeah. Riker Don introduces himself to, um, you know, the planet mom, the one who's in the middle of the two children squabbling. He gets a little woozy <laughs> right afterwards. And I thought it was absolutely fantastic that Patrick Stewart with a straight face, uh, uh, asks Beverly to, uh, attend O'Don in his quarters. <laughs> Jealous much, Picard? <laughs> uh, so she does, she goes to his quarters and that's where we get, you know, a little bit, um, of checking up in, um, uh, in some, you know, a distancing now, like Beverly's, mm. w- we see that she's not comfortable with this relationship now that 
uh, Udon is in the form of Riker. Uh, what do you guys think about this uh, this scene and the 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 what the writers take on on her uncomfortableness with it being Riker and not this other guy that she was into? It's their first fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it makes complete sense, right? Like we're not built that way in terms of like the ability to understand, like, oh, you are the person that I love. Uh, but you have completely changed bodies 100% uh, is just like a disconcerting, but especially I think it would have been less disconcerting had it not been someone that she has more of a familial Mm -hmm. relationship with. It's like her brother, right? Like Mm -hmm. that, that's gotta be awkward for future Thanksgivings. Not to mention she's friends with Troy, right? Like what does that mean? Right. (laughs) <laughs> right. Well, no, there is a moment where Troy's like, go to him. It's and I was like, scene, no, right? weird. Troy's <laughs> like, green light. Yeah, I'm like, no, really, you need it. It's the next scene. It's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's a nice little <laughs> moment where uh, um, be- uh, Beverly's pulling away from him, but she's not doing it like in a you're freaking me out way. It's just more of a, oh, yeah, that's not appropriate, um, which was a nice subtle beginning of her pulling away to what we get to see later. Um, yeah. That, that's stronger. Uh, so then we jump into uh, Tinford because there's no better place to go to look for solitude than a public place. <laughs> uh, like that's the best place to be sad is uh, Tinford. Um, it was either that or the Arboretum. <laughs> that was our two choices. No, that's for a different reason. You go to Arboretum. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then um, Troy is or Troy joins Beverly there. Uh, and, and they have a little talk. Um, we find out that Beverly had a very strong and active fantasy life as a little girl. Um, <laughs> uh, and then um, Marina Sirtis, you know, she's like, you should uh, you should hook up with Will Riker. <laughs> Which is, it's weird that she's pushing her, you know, not weird. It's just odd for us knowing the relationship that, you know, Marina's like, or Troy's like, yeah, go hook up with Riker. Um, what do you guys think I, about I the like scene? I like the story that she's there. talking about her father and how it like equates to like, oh, I wish I could have one more, you know, more time with my father, right. basically what she's trying to say. I just don't know how it goes from that to being like, you should accept love in any form, no matter if it freaks you out. I just don't think those two right. are the same yeah. ideas at all. And I blame the writers for for starting somewhere good and then being like oh shit plot we got to get this plot going thing going uh i just yeah i didn't i didn't see that line of logic from troy yeah the whole true love is trying to mimic the the father-daughter relationship is really attack that is uh not gonna work for me i don't like as it a, as an audience right member. i don't like right. it well, and just to back up to the last scene, too, what do you think about O'Don's argument of, um, like, you didn't tell me you were a single a single host being. Like, you know, his, should he have said, once they got into any kind of relationship, that, hey, there's, I'm two things here. Clearly, the Trill had hidden this fact about themselves. Like... Clearly, in all of this, if we had never known this about the trill, they had been hiding it until this mm. point. Like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. It's a state secret, blah blah blah. <laughs> but this little moment is yeah. weird. 
Uh, and then during that scene with um, Beverly, one of the things that struck me was I think Marina Sirtis is a fantastic listener because she seems active and not um, bad actor listening where she wants you to know, yes, it's landing. I hear you. <laughs> she just looks and listens. Uh, yeah. And it's not distracting, which I appreciated. I even like yeah. that her choice to move to the seat closer to Beverly, too. Like, like I, we're not in opposition. We're actually on the same. I like that just kind of physical movement uh, kind of underscored what you're saying there, Jimmy. It's funny because I actually felt the opposite about the movie. <laughs> I love the listening. And when like she, she got up to move closer, it was like, that was the director getting in the way. Well, yeah, I was like, you didn't mm-hmm. need to move the camera again. Just keep it there. She didn't have, it wasn't a secret. You know, like, I have to get closer and tell you something about my dad. And it was probably more for her. the eyeline for Riker, if I'm probably being honest. Oh, yes. That's DP. exactly what it was. He probably is like, oh, I need to make her yes. move here. But, uh, right. You know, I, yes. so that they can get that. I'm looking over your shoulder at Riker move. Mm. But it worked for me. I don't care. Uh, all right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. That's a very charged look, by the way. Like, it's well done in terms of that moment in the where you almost like forget that it's Riker and Crusher, right? Like it's just, it's, it's, it could, it, it is a soap opera in space, but it, it's, it's a damn it's good one. Tristan and he's old. Yeah. Yes. Right. So, I mean, in this episode right now, we've had Odon telling Picard how great Crusher is at crushing. And then Troy telling Crusher to crush with Riker. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Uh, the slow burn, um, as she turns to look at Riker was really nice. Uh, and then we jump, uh, we leave Tim Ford to find an ailing, uh, Riker Dan, uh, meeting with the emissaries. Uh, Riker Dan provides, uh, expedition that it's, uh, um, it's the, uh, oh, the old Odon that you knew. I'm the same one. I'm just in a different body. Um, and here's where we see the uncredited Frank Harper, um, he's the Beta Moon's emissary. Um, and uh, they have a little back and forth. I mean, a little bit of, you know, if you're really who you say you are, then answer this question. You know, can you, can you, let's play some trivia to see if you really are who you say you are. Uh, and he right. does really well. And everyone says, okay, you can <laughs> negotiate on behalf of our peoples. <laughs> And uh, they agreed to let him do it. Um, Felt like spies like us a little bit for some reason. I don't know why. Where they're like, you know, they needed to test <laughs> him with trivia, as you said. It, yeah, it goes on for a long time. I, I don't. I it were, I didn't notice it when I was watching it, but as talking through it, it's like, man, I don't really care about this part of the episode at all. It's really just window dressing for, um, for for what Doctor Beverly is doing. Right. Right. And then we find out that. Uh, a Riker Dan is suffering from classic rejection syndrome. His baboon heart. Right. Classic rejection syndrome. I guess that's a good point. Mine was, I was going to say, how would they know it's classic if uh, they've never met him? But like you said, they're used to like transplants and stuff. Like they've seen this where uh, foreign bodies put in and uh, the body doesn't, uh, it rejects it. So yeah, that makes total sense. Um, and this is where it gets a little creepy. Because uh, Odon is pretty strong about what he wants. Um, no is a complete sentence. Uh, yeah, yes, a complete sentence. And then in, in, creepy that he 
she has to say that. And he says, please let me touch you. <laughs> it's just a weird thing to say. Um, ever. Uh, Can we go back to the wrist kissing is what he wants. He wants to wrist kiss. He wants to wrist kiss, but she said no. And the way... Um, the way that uh, um, Beverly does it, uh, uh, um, Gates McFadden's reaction, it's it's absolute. There's yeah. the actor playing Odon needs to take that in, um, that yeah. something's changed here, and it's more than uncomfortableness. There, uh, it, there's a line now drawn in the sand. So he kind of ignores it a bit with the lines he was given. Um, and uh, it, it made the scene uncomfortable for me. And then there's a second no, which is now we're definitely into like you could be prosecuted for the things that you're doing. Uh, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. The Kate's already made it. You know, no is a complete sentence. Uh, other reactions to this scene. It, it also just the way it was played too, and written. Do we know too much about Riker now? <laughs> Is this Riker's influence on, on uh, the Odon being? <laughs> Oof. It is interesting storytelling wise because the last scene that we had is with the two of them is that really charged look, which which sort of indicated that she was uh, struggling with with her feelings and this scene is very clearly like cutting off all ties like i have a feeling that was an editing like well we need to move this scene here and like i just Mm. it 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 doesn't flow necessarily from what information we've just been given and then to flow into that next scene which we have which we'll talk about right we i feel like we almost need there to be a little bit more of a of a struggle that that Crusher has in this moment to sort of maintain mm. um, professionalism while still exploring her feelings. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I don't think there's much more you can put onto that one. Um, so the next scene has we have record on. He's back with Picard in his office, um, and this is where I thought uh, Frakes had some nice. A tender physicality. Uh, there's a softer movement uh, in the way he placed his body uh, in on the set than he usually does. Um, uh, and then we go to uh, there's a series of little short scenes uh, there. Um, we have Riker, Don, and Crusher. Uh, they're struggling. Like she's struggling. Like, I don't know. Like you're saying, uh, Kate. This is after where she's like, oh, maybe I do like him. I don't. Uh, she sees the rose, and that seems a sort of. He gave me a rose. Yeah, she. <laughs> <laughs> that Earth custom is really strong. He replicated me a rose. Oh, right, right. <laughs> That's the rat uh, situation. Uh, which, uh, speaking of the uh, record, and can't replicate some trail comfort food unless he has <laughs> the exact uh, molecular structure. Which, why wouldn't you carry that in your pocket? Just in case, <laughs> or at least have it on your Google Keep notes. Um, <laughs> I've got my recipes here on my USB <laughs> right. stick. Uh, and then the thirst must be crent- uh, quenched because um, Crusher Ooh. succumbs to it. She doesn't care that it's Riker. It's just Odon. 
So what do you think about that change? I mean, it's, it, you knew it was going that way, but after that one little scene, and at least the way it was written and directed, it did make it, it... It puts Beverly in a weird position, where now she does seem like that. The way some people try to make women look like, well, it was your fault, and you always wanted it anyways. Like, to me, it's like... Right. It just led us down that alleyway, um, rather than her coming there and in a nice way, in a way that didn't sort of regress yeah agreed i mean that's still what half of the stories that are told uh you know lazy and lean back on it's it's just awkward and lazy mm. and kind of insulting <laughs> like it's right it's, yeah it, it 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 makes the whole episode feel pretty icky I, but i mean i want to it feels a little similar to the what we just talked about last week with the half a life, right? Uh, it just the gender roles are changed. Where at first there's a no, there's a clear no from from uh, David Ogden Steers, uh, <laughs> Steers character, and, and we see yeah, Steers, Steers and Roebuck, um, you know, and we see it kind of different here. Uh, so you know, I just don't know what changed. I, I didn't the rose, you know, the kind of. Yeah, the the <laughs> I don't want to say uh, disgust, but like the the feelings that Crusher was exhibiting with uh, Riker Dan uh, were very in that scene in particular. We're just like I'm like repulsed, and then I just don't know what what changed over the course of that. Also, he's getting sicker and sicker as well. Like he is going. Yeah. Through- Rejected I was going to say, syndrome. they don't have the so, energy for the smashing that's mm-hmm. about to happen. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like any doctor would tell you it's not a good time for jostling when you've got a foreign body lodged in you. Um, so. Hey, oh, which one? Am I right? Am I- oh. Hey. <laughs> Maybe if you have a drink a lot of water, it'll add some cushion to the. What? Pushing? All right. Well, he, he, no. It's in his stomach, nope. right? So if he nope. drinks a lot of Just water, stop. It'll, right. Just I'm stop. usually the one who takes us off the rails. But thank you for <laughs> for assuming the role for me, Craig. Uh, our next Cotton scene, candy. we uh, we find out that we're on the brink of war. Uh, Picard informs uh, Riker Don that they are ready to talk. But they have brought all their guns just in case it doesn't go well. Uh, Odon, as uh, Greg said, is not doing too well. The hyper uh, hypo sprays are becoming increasingly ineffective. Uh, the latest one may last maybe an hour. And so we are on the clock. He has about an hour to save these planets or he will die. Um and we find out that Odon is capable of sacrifice. And this is what is great, but also it seems a little contradictory to his first scene where we find out he's a trill, uh, where he because he says, you must get me out of Riker's body because Riker will die. So he, that where Odon the trill, or the, the, the symbiont, is worried about the host's body. This is mm-hmm. not just a host. And that's what made me, like, like uh, Eric had said, like, well, are the other ones just a husk? Because they are just the host, but Riker is definitely seen as a sentient being that can't be disregarded. Uh, and and Odon is willing to sacrifice his life um, for Riker's. Uh, and that yeah. was a, I love that take. And it, it really, I thought, meant that the um, the trill from the, the other trill are really just a host. So like, like maybe, as Kate had said, they're... Um, 
uh, they're they're grown for this purpose, or because or, um, he doesn't have the same uh, worry for the other body as he does for Riker. Right, and the other body though is made somehow right for this process, or at least like is biologically similar enough that mm. suited suited yeah. for that that process. Mm. Whereas Riker is rejecting right from the beginning. It's not right? good for like, either of them. Right. Uh, all right. So, um, Odon leaves. Yes. It's about what you're about to say. Uh, Odon leaves, and um, Picard offers a shoulder for Beverly to cry on, uh, and has a nice little line about whatever else I am to you, I am your friend. Yeah. yeah that was sweet. Maybe you're the best line it's in the show. It's nice. I really like it. She hugs him. Like again, it's that it's that um, scene with Troy that we had in the in the salon, right? We get mm. this moment. True, they are in uniform, but we'll we'll ignore that for right now to know that timing wise, this conversation had to happen then, and it's just it's nice. Yeah. Uh, and then our next scene, um, we find out that Ajahn is beating the clock. He's gone way more than an hour. He's in there for six hours negotiating with these squabbling children. Uh, uh, we don't get to see any of that, of course. <laughs> it just happens off screen. Um, and as promised, uh, Crusher must remove Odon from Riker. He comes on. He barely gets out. It was a success. Uh, and then he does a little, uh, a little fall there and a nice little twist. Right, Eric? He twists his body so Not that he bad. lowers down. Went to the meaty bombs. parts. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't a hard fall. Um, clearly filmed backwards. That was him getting <laughs> up and turning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Odon and Riker are separated. Riker's going to be fine. Don't worry. Uh, and Beverly insists on waiting for uh, the slug's new replacement. The slug being Odon. Um... And uh, I ask, would any of you guys have trouble loving a disco slug? Which is what I called it because we got to see the nice little day glow on there. Could you do that? Like if you knew this was the person you fell in love with, uh, is this something that would you have the same kind of difficulties as, as Bev has? And not the difficulties she's about to see, the difficulties she's had up until this moment. I mean, can you communicate? That's, you know, like smashing is <laughs> right? also important. But like if there is there a way to communicate with that little creature or do you just know that you have to take care of it? Right. Know, like a pet. <laughs> it's a little bit. It's a little bit like the deep in the boys. Uh, that he can communicate with octopuses and that's why he's in love with octopuses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so um, Bev falls asleep at the table and Worf comes in. He's like, all right, another lazy human falling asleep. <laughs> uh, and it goes quickly from you're lazy to this is awkward because yeah. she, Beverly says, send him in. And he's like, mm. <laughs> yeah, about that. <laughs> um, so gender aside, what do you think about the first impression of the host? The way the host comes in. Blank. Yes. Me yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're trying to... They're, I think they're trying to say that there is no personality. Right. There is I no agree. soul. 
However, all I see is someone drugged out of their mouth. <laughs> <laughs> also, I dig that. That's a, I mean, that's yeah. a good storyline. <laughs> I dig that. Not that I'd want to do it, but that's a fun thing to write. Good for you, Jimmy. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's all I see. I mean, what's the, what's the difference in performance, really? Um, it's, it's super interesting. And how about Beverly's reaction? Well, then we're getting into gender. Is this right? 1991 like, reaction? Would it be written the same way today? No, fuck no. And it's what I, it's my biggest no. problem with this episode, right? right? And it may yeah. be little my little pansexual self, but like it really pisses me off this ending. Well, uh, that yep. that she could deal with it being Riker who is like mm. a family member to her but can't deal with the fact that it is in and and she says uh, our ability to love, perhaps someday our ability to love won't be so limited. And I'm like, bitch, it's already unlimited and you are in 1991 for sure. Yep. Well, but that's the thing too. Like, it, it comes right back to, uh, you know, I'm growing up in Kansas and there's so many fucking racist white people there and so many, you know, people trying to be anti-racist there will say, well, you know, it's, it's the time they were raised in and shit like that. And I'm like, motherfucker, you know, John Brown was there, <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a mural of John Brown in the state house with a rifle in his hand trying to shoot racists. Like it is what the state was founded on. And these motherfuckers are out there doing it. Like in 1991, there were millions and millions of Americans who didn't think the way, uh, uh, Beverly Crusher thinks in this scene. It, it drives me nuts. Well, I... the, the, the time of it is just giving cover I would say it's definitely written in a way that assumes what, what, what you two are talking about. But I think you could interpret it more, not necessarily that Beverly is incapable of loving uh, this new version of Odan. I think she, and then she says it, like, this is just, I mean, this is whiplash. Like, I, I can't go from, like, from Riker to a completely different body i don't know if my person of odan is even in here uh like I, I i think she a little bit was like this is not for me not even necessarily the fact that it is a different gendered body but just this transitioning between these things is not okay for her except for that moment right before when she said send him in and she was very excited about that and then was palpably whoever it might be uh, yeah i don't care you know well, yeah, I, I think it would have been similar if it was someone that you know, so like someone that looked or acted similar. You think she would have a, a not that reaction? Absolutely. Like, it, well, I think if it had been another man. Yeah. Penis uh, is what she was looking uh, for. And and someone attractive. Right. Like what if it was someone who uh, looked like her son? You know, or like, or had, the, you know, was a younger body. You know what I mean? Like, I, what if I it think, was a black person? I mean, like, I know, that's... or a Klingon or a Romulan or a Vaki. Like, I, I think there's, but it wasn't, but it wasn't. You and, I, and you're right. I right. think the way yeah. it was written, I think it is very much in that vein. But me putting myself in that situation, I don't think I would have uh, anything different from what she did. I think I would just be like, mm, yeah, no, I, I'm out. I can't do this. Well, I'll because save my uh, opinion about it for the closing, and let's get right to that Ooh. then. Um, Greg, what do you rate this episode? What do you think? I am going to give this episode six Riker Falls on his butt. 
Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it is a really interesting take on uh, how relationships and uh, not just love, but like compatibility between people um, in a sci-fi universe could be. Um, it you know it has some some not necessarily body horror, but body ish things happening and whether you know what what stays true uh, uh to people i like that as a as an exploratory thing i think you know really a lot of kudos to gates mcfadden for doing this entire performance uh, uh throughout i think I, there's a lot of subtleties in, in in how she acts here from her being uh extremely uh, excited and titillated to like i don't know uh how to how to deal with this to having her relationships with both you know, uh, Picard and Troy kind of developed from this. I thought that was all uh, really strong. Um, and I enjoyed uh, the storyline as it was being developed and how it all came, all came together. So solid episode for me. I don't think anything puts it above into uh, something that you must see. Um, and then obviously with all the information about the Trill essentially being wiped away after this episode except for you know a few uh, a few core ideas it's not necessary for for watching star trek in the canon going forward unless as a novelty to be like well this is one time where they completely changed it and uh, it got better uh for all of that going on there too um and uh yeah it's good eric <laughs> 30 seconds what did you think about this episode i give it four bad episodes um <laughs> I think it, it tried really hard for its time, at its time, but the thing that it fundamentally didn't know is that when you use uh, gender kind of at the end like this to, to explore other uh, questions or help you explore other questions that you've asked, what you've done is opened up another series of questions at the end that you can't possibly hope to answer to the satisfaction of the many, many millions of people to whom gender is a central part of their daily existence, and to everyone to whom gender, whether they admit it or not, is an important part of their uh, interactions with their art. It's, it's frustrating to have had such a right turn at the end when it was already not a very good episode. Um, I, I just, it, it doesn't speak to me very much except in what it, what it missed as an opportunity to explore. Um, I, I don't feel like any of the performances are particularly revelatory either. I, I just kind of give it a four. Don't worry about this episode. Kate. I'm going to give it four missed opportunities uh, for nailing the landing. Uh, I think that, you know, it's a middling episode in general. Like uh, Eric says, like it's a little over middling, right? Like the performances aren't revelatory, but they're not terrible. There's some really lovely um, work between cast members that I really enjoy. Like I love that Troy and Crusher scene. I like Crusher and Picard together. There's, there is room for, um, compliment in terms of the bulk of the of the episode but it doesn't stick that landing and this episode has bugged me since it first aired because of mm. that and part of that uh you know or maybe maybe at least in my second rewatching of this episode um you know and part of that is you know young kate in the 1990s at some point watched the crying game right in high school and it was the first time little christian kate was like oh 
you fell in love with a person. It's the person that matters. Oh, shit. And I was in, you know, conservative Colorado Springs, Colorado, with focus on the family telling me, you know, Mm -hmm. the exact opposite. But it was art that showed me the way and really changed my view. And I rely on Star Trek since its inception to be the show that pushes those boundaries and opens our minds and our hearts to those things. So as somebody who loves what Star Trek does in that capacity, I'm disappointed ultimately in this episode that it didn't stick the landing. Uh, Yeah, well said. And I'm going to agree almost entirely with uh, Eric and Kate. I'm going to give this five disco slugs. Uh, And the huge disappointment is that the same disappointment I had very recently with a, a, a previous episode is it doesn't take a stand. Star Trek does not take a stand here um it doesn't pick a side i should say uh the 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 excuse that beverly gives at the end is just that it's an excuse to dance around the fact that she's uh she's not attracted to um the same sex which is fine you can not be attracted to the same sex just like you can be to the uh to the opposite sex or however you want to identify is fine but Taking a stand is what's important, and I, like uh, Kate said, rely on Star Trek to do that and to take a stand on the right side. And the right side would have been explaining that she's just not attracted to the same sex, but it's cool. I'm glad that other people are. It's just not for me, and I can't go that route with you because of that. Instead, they make up a bullshit excuse that makes it seem like they're too afraid to say something. So I say to you, go to Target and buy some fucking Bud Light and show a little bit of support. My pants are wet, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for riding along with us on this episode of Reengage. Next week, we continue our mission with the next episode of the fourth season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Reengage on Twitter at ReengageTNG to get updates when episodes are published and some other stuff. You can also follow our various Cultural Bridge crew on social media. Kate Yeager is at Yeagerlicious. Eric Gratton is at Eric Falls Down. Greg Tito is at Greg Tito on Twitter and at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on Instagram. Leon Cage is edited by Greg Tito and Jimmy G and sometimes Kate Yeager. Logo artwork by Mojo Jojo 97 on Twitter. Theme music is by Ryan Marth. Thank you so much for listening. Stand by now for the traveler to re-engage.